back to this episode of the Dreamers Manual Podcast. Today, we're talking with Nikki of The Branding Boutique, and I am so looking forward to you hearing this episode. I feel like this has something for every entrepreneur, whether or not you're interested in branding or rebranding right now. We talk about Nikki's former life in corporate and licensing, manufacturing, her clothing brand that she built and sold with her sister, how she's been able to find ways to express her creativity and balance owning a business as a mom. And then we dive into so many interesting aspects of branding questions that I've always wanted to ask somebody that does this type of work for people like, when should people rebrand? What does it really mean to build your brand? When should you be building your brand? Should you start at the beginning? Should you start at the end? And then I added a little bit of a spicy question about things that she really doesn't love to see in, you know, current brands or marketing that's out there. If you haven't connected with Nikki before, he is an expert at supporting female entrepreneurs and founders in building a brand-driven business from day one. She is the founder of the Business Branding Podcast, creator of The Brand Boutique, a modern branding template shop. Nikki has helped over 15,000 women-owned businesses build a brand they're absolutely in love with using her DIY template systems and brand strategy products. She lives in South Florida with her husband, daughter, and two dogs with a baby boy on the way. I felt like my conversation with Nikki today was like connecting with a friend. There are so many more things I could have done a deep dive on in this podcast with her. She's just an absolute incredible wealth of information, not just about branding, but building a business and all the things. So I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this episode and hear what you think. Nikki, welcome to the Dreamers Manual podcast today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited and I can't wait to talk all about brands, branding, and I have so many questions, but I'm wondering if you could tell people that aren't familiar with you or your business yet a little bit about what you do and what brought you to the online space. Awesome. Thank you. So my name's Nikki. (laughs) I have uh, been in the branding space for over a decade, probably close to like 12-ish years in some way, shape, or form, Um, whether it's been building my own brand or supporting someone else's vision or groups of women um, in building brands that they love and are proud of from the very early stages of business growth journey. And my background is in Various areas. I was in licensing for a little bit, working with brands like Marvel and Disney, um, which is really fun now in hindsight. I always say because my daughter like plays with these, you know, different like characters and things that I was working with. Um, when I was in licensing, I was working in children's sporting goods. So I did a lot of, you know, the new movies that would come out, new Marvel movies that would come out or like Hello Kitty or the La La Loopsie, which is really big right now. And I would work with these um, brands taking all of their graphics and we would create helmets and skateboards and rollerblades and scooters and bikes and all this fun stuff that was uh, sold inside of stores like Target, Kmart, Walmart, which was sort of my initial introduction into seeing a product from full idea into an actual like physical product and how that has to be representative of what the company is looking for. Licensing is interesting from a branding perspective because you're licensed to utilize all of their assets. Um, And so you have to be really conscious of their vision and uh, their client and what they're wanting to create and their brand story and make sure that you are um, staying in alignment with that, which is, is essentially like the foundation of what creates a really 
beautiful brand um, is something that stays consistent with all of those principles and pieces. So without even really sort of knowing it, that was something I sort of, I discovered like as time went on and as I really dove deeper into brand strategy, I really started to understand like, wow, what a great foundation I was gifted by being in licensing because it really allowed me to understand from it outside looking in what brands were really doing to create cohesiveness and consistency with anything that they were creating. And what better than companies like a Marvel or a Disney or, you know, these other, these other uh, big, big names that we know and like use on a regular basis, especially if you have kids. (laughs) And then I was really kind of, I've always sort of been in manufacturing in some capacity. So even, even with licensing, it was like, I was still working with the factories on the products that we were creating. I was in uh, women's fashion for a bit, doing like accessories, scarf design. Uh, That was a great introduction into seeing something come to life. So over the years, um, I had a clothing line for a handful of years called Jiva Active. I just sort of had my hands in all these like different brand building uh, spaces and and there's so many similarities in in all of these things. And it, it all really kind of led me into the clothing line. I sold it in 2017 and everyone was like, you're, you're crazy. Like it was my baby. It was, I had it with my sister and um, it was really a beautiful, like culmination of like my background in all these different textile design, all these different areas. But what I really just loved was I loved seeing, like having an idea being able to to get it out of my head or out of the person's head, uh, the visionary and creating something from it. And then whether it ended up being a physical product or something digital, I just loved that entire like process. And so that's what led me to into more of like the consulting brand space, which I've been in this space now for about five years, almost five years now. So So that's what I do now. Now I really work with a lot of female business owners, entrepreneurs, small business owners doing some have brick and mortar style businesses. Some have physical products. Some are just selling digital goods or services um, and really supporting them and creating a brand that they love. And like I said, are proud of, excited to share um, from the really early stages on in their business by implementing like a brand strategy and a foundation. That is so interesting. I love all of that. Uh, I think I see a lot of the licensing in makeup currently, maybe because I loosely followed some makeup influencers, you know, over the um, pandemic and seeing like, I just saw the other day, Velveeta Cheese had a licensing deal with a nail polish company. (laughs) Interesting. But you see everything from Care Bears to different food to cartoons, you know, reflected in makeup palettes and and sort of collections. And some of them are pretty fun. It's really fun. I saw um, that towel company, I think it's called SandCloud, has a Disney license right now. And it's licensing is actually a really cool arena to be in because like I said, there's there's these brilliant designers and, and brand you know, specialists who are working within these big companies, creating all this cool stuff. And licensing is a lot when you're creating goods is a lot like scrapbooking to me. Like I grew up scrapbooking. I, we actually, my husband and I were actually going through a bunch of his stuff that his parents had given him. And, um, and then I, we were consolidating like our life, I guess, (laughs) into like boxes. And, um, I found all these like scrapbooks from when I was younger doing gymnastics and cheerleading. And I've been like, I loved it so much. And licensing is a lot like that. When you're creating physical goods, you take their digital graphic assets, literally, and you apply them to whatever product your company is good at making. And it's really cool because you get access to a library of hundreds of different kinds of artwork and designs and things that they've created that they give the go at the green light, you know, like this, you can use this. And, um, it's, it was just like the funnest job, like so much fun. And then you'd see, I'd go into Target or Walmart, you know, or Kmart at the time. I don't know if that exists still. And like, I would see these bikes and helmets and all this really cool stuff that we would create. And it was just such a fun job. 
That's so cool. Did your transition into this more online digital space coincide with you becoming a parent or were those two things unrelated? I mean, I didn't say like, I wasn't one of the people who was like, okay, I want to leave doing X because I want to be home. You know, like when I, I was pregnant with my daughter, I had my clothing line Jiva at the time, which we were traveling all over the country doing trade shows and, you know, sales meetings. And we were in about 450 retailers globally. Um, We had a sales team. So we were like doing it, you know, but Mm -hmm. for some reason I was just like, I, I definitely thinking back, I definitely was tired and burned out and couldn't quite see I also hated dealing with physical inventory because that mm-hmm. was a big stressor, but like I couldn't quite see the, like the picture, like I, it wasn't clear how I was going to continue doing all of that and have a daughter. And I don't know why, but not that there's anything wrong with this, but I was never like, Oh, I'm going to put her in daycare immediately. Like, mm-hmm. you know, or like, I'm going to take three months and then, and then she's going to go into the care of someone else. Like it wasn't registering that that was like, what I was like organically going to do. And so I was always like, how am I going to make this work? Cause I have to raise her. Yeah. Um, and so without knowing what was next, like I didn't, I didn't sell that business with a plan. We just sold the business. Like we knew that, or I knew my sister did not was not trusting of that whole process, but which now my sister runs a super successful business. So everything like worked out as it should, but I didn't sell that business with like, okay, I'm going to start a consulting business. I'm going to go online. This is what, you know, it was just like, I don't know what's next, but I know that it's something different. And so I have to like, I've got to take this leap. I sold my business, like finalized everything. I feel like it was like, the end of August, like first week of September. Uh, this was like five, almost five years ago, but, and I had my daughter October 4th. So it was like, (laughs) it was like a big transition that business, my sister and I had for about five years. So it very much was like a part of our identity and, you know, it was like our little baby, you know? And so I sold that and then I had her and I did take like probably like the first six months to just kind of like dabble in researching, like, what could I be doing next? Like, what do I want to be doing? I started thinking about what I loved about Jiva. What did I love about these other businesses, you know, that I was a part of, um, and these other career paths that I was in. And I just start, like, I, I very like nonchalantly started taking on some like consulting clients that were actually my initial clients were actually a lot of product-based businesses. Another activewear line. That's what we had was activewear lines, like another activewear line. Um, I started working with my manufacturers who did our printing, who they had a line. So I was like supporting them a little bit. And then over time, I'm like, wow, this physical inventory thing is still like, even if it's not mine, it's still like stressing me out. So then I, then I sort of, again, nonchalantly was like taking on some service-based clients. And then I, then I was really, after like my daughter turned one, I was like, okay, this is really kind of becoming like something. Obviously I know how to like create an, a business. So um, then I did like a brand identity and created like a, an actual business, but it was a very like slow organic process. That makes sense. I'm curious as someone who I would identify as a creative and I suspect you probably would identify in the same way. Did that process and how you, I want to say kind of managed your creativity change when you became a parent, right? Because I see parents, especially in creative fields, like you're in struggle to find that new normal of that creative ebb and flow while at the same time managing babies and toddlers and even children that are older with, you know, there's always something going on. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think I felt like I was really reinventing like who I was when I had her. But aside from like becoming a mom, I was like newly married. I just like had sold my business, which felt like it was like a part of who I was. 
And then I was trying to get back to like so much of that business was like numbers and inventory and manufacturing. And like, I was very much in this like CEO role, you know, more than creative director. So I really needed to kind of get back to like the roots of like my design process and like that whole piece of it. And so it did, it did like take me some time to do that, to like really kind of get back to like my creativity and find that again, which I think if you like, I think becoming a parent kind of shakes you up anyway. And like, there's so much going on and to find the time to like sit and be creative. I had, um, I had an interview with someone that I, uh, an artist, her name's Megan James, um, who I had on my podcast and she, you know, I was at the time really kind of struggling with finding my creativity again. And she, um, said to me, she was like, you know what? I look through the eyes of like my kids and see like how they find like art in anything like Mm -hmm. in their like red fruit loop like milk left in their bowl like they find art in all these different ways in this so I really kind of went back to like the complete basics of Mm -hmm. of like creativity and that was what kind of like got me back into my groove and then I just started finding like really fun ways to like balance my time and and have grace with myself because mm-hmm. it was this totally new season of my life. And even like talking about it now, like I'm I'm due with my second baby in like six weeks. And I'm like, I'm I'm again like, you know, how, how am I gonna do this? Like, mm-hmm. what is it gonna be like? Like what, you know, like having I want to make sure I'm still giving her time and this new, you know, baby boy, like new baby brother time and my business. And so I don't know, do we ever have it all like organized and figured out? (laughs) No, but I love when people who go before us or who just have different experiences from us can share, you know, things that have helped them along the way. And I think that helps all of us. Yeah, I agree. I've talked to so many moms. <laughs> like it's I feel like I'm always drawn to whether it's like podcast episodes that I'm guesting on or women that I have on my show um and just like the communities that I have myself like plugged into and it's like everyone all these women who are in these leading roles like whether they are running an online business, have physical products, have children, have social activities going on, like all these different things, like everyone's dealing with all the same struggles of Mm -hmm. trying to find balance, trying to stay creative, trying to stay in that power role while also like, you know, not being too masculine and being able to like soften and, and still like tap into their, their feminine. And I think that like, for me, like as a, as a creative and as a branding person, like it's a lot of my creativity, like comes from the feminine side of my work and just like of my energy. And so if I'm not able, if I'm always in this, like gotta have control of parenting, of being a wife of my house, of all the things, like it is really hard for me to then click the switch and turn over into you know, creative, soft, feminine, like, you know, Mm -hmm. and a lot of my clients are women who work with other women. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I think there, I think that like, maybe it's not talked about often enough of how, like how you find that sort of flow between like the two. But I do think there's something to be said about getting too stuck in like, I got to balance all of this all the Mm -hmm. time, you know, and like, how do I do it in a way that is not chaos? And I think maybe it's a relief for other women and other moms to hear that the balance doesn't look like every single day, my family, kids, business relationships are all getting the same equal pieces of the pie because some days, weeks, months, seasons, you know, certain aspects of my life get a bigger or a different piece of the pie than others. And I think hearing that for me feels comforting. So I'm hopeful that that feels comforting. Like it's a comforting message to everybody. Yeah. 
I mean, my fridge is like half empty right now. I've got like an Instacart order that's half done on my screen. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> like my kid is like probably missing gymnastics today. And, but like, you know what? It's all good. We just got back from like a fun little two day getaway. And it's like, all right, whatever. Like it's, it's all good. I think, I think it's also important to, to remember that like, are if if your business and your brand is going to collapse if everything is not held together for like 24 hours, you know, or even a week, then like it's time to reevaluate the way that you've got things structured and set up mm-hmm. because we're allowed to have a little bit of wiggle room in the way that we keep things moving forward and it's it shouldn't completely fall apart if you do, Hey, I need a day or I like, I got it. You know, I have these days where I'm just like, I got to get my life together. (laughs) And that looks like getting groceries and toilet paper. And like, (laughs) like, you know, sometimes it's like things just, yeah, they, they just fall. I don't know. Let other things in life happen. And you're like, okay. Yes. That's going to be this afternoon for me, for sure. My poor son had, not just for breakfast. Cause I'm like, I don't, we have run out of all the food. So <laughs> uh, yeah, my daughter ate fig newtons for breakfast this morning, like five of them. And then I had a uh, doc- doctor appointment for pregnancy. So I ran there. My mom took her and my mom calls me. I call my mom when I leave the doctor to check in with her. My, I hear my daughter in the background, I'm eating gummies. And I'm like, (laughs) like you've literally ate fig newtons for breakfast. It's 10 o'clock. You're on to gummies. (laughs) Like I just, you know, and there was definitely like, I've, there's been times where I'm like, no, you know, it had to be this certain way. Or you have like these expectations of parenting the same way you have like expectations of like how your business is going to be ran and all Mm -hmm. these different things. And you know, it just kind of like never goes the exact way that you think it's going to go. And I think it's just important to like keep mindful of like what is most important and what matters and, and that like, you can always like get back on track. There will be a day soon when I'm like, we're not having gummies and cookies before, (laughs) but you know what? (laughs) Today it's fine. It's fine today. (laughs) Today it's not the day. Yeah. No, I, loved this part of the conversation so much. And I also feel like if I was a listener, I'd be so remiss in not actually digging into the branding stuff because to have someone (laughs) with your experience in your brain and not be able to ask you these questions, I think the people would riot. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm wondering, um, thinking about a brand, I don't know if this was just me or if this is sort of common when people are starting their business, but I'm curious what your thoughts are about, because you've mentioned a couple of times starting with businesses in the early stages and really developing that brand and that concept. And that's something I don't hear talked about a lot. I'm wondering if you could share what a brand does to attract those ideal clients into our business. Yeah, I think there's, you know, a good question and like kind of a golden question, right? It's like, how do I, mm-hmm. how do I get all the people here. (laughs) And I think there's so many factors that like play into that, but a lot of it can start at the very beginning. And I think that's like the most important message is people feel like they have to have the following already, or they have to have the reputation already or the testimonials or the team or the bank account or revenue, whatever it is before they really start diving into like the nitty gritty details of like what makes their brand stand out where I believe doing those things early on in tandem with like very needle moving like tasks in their business just sets you up for like an easier success. I think because you don't have to like shuffle hustle to get there, get that client, get this client, get that client. And then all of a sudden you're backpedaling. Oh, wait a minute. Like we need to fix our messaging. We need to fix our marketing. We got to, you know, we don't, we've been inconsistent with our color palette. Like our visuals are all over the place, like whatever it is. So to be able to kind of set clear expectations about those things early on, I don't think it's like ever too early, you know? And Mm -hmm. so the things that I think attract, I think the fundamental things that attract 
our ideal clients from the very beginning is number one, knowing who they are, right? So like we don't have to have every single thing figured out, but knowing who your ideal clients actually are and who those people that you are trying to attract. If we don't have that figured out, we're literally just like throwing darts in the dark and like Mm -hmm. hoping that someone who comes into our world is like, makes us excited. So again, you don't have to have everything figured out, but I think some of the most important things to have figured out about who your client is, is, is what season of life they're in. Right. So like, I always use this example, like you, your ideal client could be a mom's, right. But like, are they newborn moms or toddler moms or middle, you know, teen moms, Mm -hmm. or are they empty nesters? Like there's so many different seasons of life of a mother that means so many different things. And the cool thing is, is that once you kind of understand that you've got, you have your core offers at you know, at that point that makes sense for that, your ideal season of life, but then you get to say, okay, how can we capture these moms earlier on in their um, stage to build trust with them, build rapport with them, create relationships so that they don't need to go find someone else once they become a teen mom. Right. Or like if, if we're attracting like toddler moms who are potty training and, you know, going through X, Y, you know, the issues of all toddler mothers, how can we capture them at like the newborn stage so that they're like, by the time they get to that part of life, that season of life, our core offer, our potty training program, that's X, Y, Z is like ideal for them. They don't even have to think about where to Mm -hmm. go for that. So you can obviously apply that example to like any, whatever your ideal client that gap you fill and that struggle. So I think most important is understanding like what season of life that they're in. And then yes, like, I think it's, it's good to know, like, where do they hang out? Like what, how old are they? Like what age are they in? Things like that. When I say hang out, I really, I meant more like online, Mm -hmm. not like, are they, you know, whatever. (laughs) I mean, like what social platforms are they spending their time on so that you can be like properly positioned? I think the next most important thing when it comes to attracting Clients is understanding your messaging. What language are they speaking? What do they want to be hearing? What are they really struggling with? So a lot of times your story comes into play here because I'd say like probably seven or eight out of 10 people are in the industry that they're in because of their own experience. And so really kind of tapping into the core values and the feelings of what they are going through and really dialing in the messaging. And messaging is so important. Your brand's voice is so important because this is the way that you are communicating. This is your communication channel between you and your audience. So this stuff shows up in captions on social media, in marketing material, in sales pages. You could have a rock star offer, like a killer product that is so transformational, that does such great work when it gets into the hands of the right people. But if they can't get past your ad copy, right? Or like they can't really like understand what they're going to experience through your sales page and they just don't ever even get to the offer. And that's a bummer, right? So mm-hmm. messaging to me is like, is, is so important. I'd, I'd say it's right up there with understanding who your client is. Messaging just falls into place easier once you understand your season of life that your client is in. So you always kind of let that lead the way. And then I think visuals are probably number three. They're so important. When I say visuals, I'm talking, you know, colors, fonts, logos, imagery, graphic elements. Just the reason being not when I say this, I don't mean like I mean more. What I mean more is that it's it's got to be consistent. And so less than me caring of like exactly what it looks like. Yes, I want it to be aesthetically pleasing and I want it to be attractive and make sense for you and your ideal customer. I want it to be consistent more than I want it to be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And so the reason the the reason why is not just because I want things to look nice. It's like from a psychology perspective, humans we love when we know can know what to expect from somebody. We love consistency. We love when we see something look a certain way. Um, you could be like searching for a hotel, right, to stay in and book, and you're just going on websites, checking out social media, right? But if it's like shoddy branding and mm-hmm. 
you know, and like poor messaging and like a crappy website, like I'm assuming their property probably is is dealt with the same way. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not booking there. Like I'm moving on. I don't even care how many people told me it's awesome. Like I'm still uh, like, if it's so awesome, like why can't they just like pull this together, you know? And so we just live in a, in a time when visually we can, we expect things to look and feel a certain way. Um, and we expect that to be representative of how we're going to be cared for in, in our like client experience with them. And so, you know, that's why that is the reasoning behind why I think visuals are so important. That being said, like they can change over time. Right. So it's, it's not like once they're done, that's that, like they can shift over time. I know we briefly mentioned like rebrand, like that can happen at certain points, you know, and, and it's just important that you do it in a way that it's cohesively moves into the next level of, of visuals. Um, so again, people feel connected to what changed connected to that process. And again, like they can expect, you know, top notch X, Y, Z from, your business. Are there signs that you think people should look for when they might want to do a rebrand or is it really a combination of somebody's just maybe sick of their current brand? They feel like it's not reflective anymore of either their business, their offers, who their ideal clients are. Is that the best indicator of when it's time to rebrand? I think that is a good indicator because it's good that you said that because you know, your, your business is yours. And a lot of like the visuals of branding, the stuff that you would rebrand, like colors, like if we're just talking visuals, right? Mm -hmm. Like colors, fonts, logo, graphic elements, imagery, all of that. Like, I think of all of that. I've used this uh, example before. Like I think of all of that as like the clothing of your business. So like if your body is the business and the details and the services and all that stuff, like everything that you put on makeup, jewelry, clothes, all of that is like the visuals of your business. And over time, like you may outgrow and trends may change as well. So a lot of times we get started and we create a brand identity or a logo, a system in place, right? To just like get the momentum going, mm-hmm. to feel good online, to be able to show up, to fill, fill up our confidence cup. Like I'm such an advocate of that, of like, just get started, create something and get started. That's we created brand identity breakthrough. It's tw- a $27 like logo system, uh, for template system. Right. And the purpose of it was literally that it's like, get something, create it, have it look good, love it and move on because you're going to come back and change us at some point. So a lot of times you grow, your business is evolving. Your messaging is changing. Your services are being revamped. Like you've now learned things you've, you've figured out and really nailed down this, uh, season of your client. Um, maybe you are now covering multiple seasons of your client, right? So you've got a lot more going on, but your wardrobe is stuck at the starting line. So I do think it's a good indicator of like, we've grown, you know, this is not reflective of where we're at anymore. I think that a lot of people don't let that be an indicator. And that's why like their website does get stuck behind like the Mm -hmm. hotel example, right? It's like, maybe they do have a killer rock star property and like, and, and, and all the great amenities and all the things, right. But like, they didn't bring the rest of it up to speed. So like, how do we know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a great indicator is when you're feeling like disconnected from the visuals, it is important to go back. Chances are at that point, you've got more of a budget to, to allocate to having someone do a whole like, you know, comprehensive brand identity process with you. And like, great, like let the professional handle that. And if you can afford it, like have someone do that. That's not like on Fiverr. There's nothing wrong with those, but like have someone do it who can give you like a full brand identity break, like breakdown. Mm -hmm. 
And you will feel like so good coming out of that, uh, of a rebrand that way. Another, another time that I think it's important to think about rebranding is if you feel like it's not reflective of where you're at in your business. Um, and also if you have changed directions, like if your client has totally changed, if your services have totally changed, if you are just sort of have like taken a different path with your business uh, that's a good time to be like, okay, let's rework this and, and look at it. And another thing I want to point out about rebrands is I like when rebrands are like rolled out and sort of like, there's a story behind them. So I like once you've got all the assets in place and everything is there, you've got your new updated website, like updated brand identity, your marketing materials been updated, et cetera, like all the pieces. And then it's like, Hey, you're going to see a new look coming from us, you know, whatever it is. And here's why, like we have grown X amount over the last two years. Like, here's where we're at. These are the things we've accomplished. We've worked with this amount of people. Like, we're so proud of everything we've done. And we really just wanted to bring um, all of our visuals up to speed with where we're at and, and like do a formal like presentation that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Tying that story together. I am curious what you think about this is something that. Uh, especially early on, I struggled with in where's the balance between like someone's personal style and identity versus how much of that is reflected in their brand. Um, For example, when I was going through my OBM certification, there's a lot of OBMs that come from a corporate background and they played it very safe with their websites and their color palettes. It was a lot of neutrals and unintentionally, it worked out for me because I was a little bit like, I just don't want to do that. It's kind of boring to me personally. And so I chose very like a very bright color palette for my brand, which ultimately, like I said, it was totally unintentional, but it worked out for my brand because then I like to work with creative business owners and I attracted those in with those types of, of visuals. But I've heard sometimes when people speak about branding that really there's not much, if any place for someone's personal identity to be reflected in their brand. And I'm wondering if you have an opinion about that. I mean, I, you know, if you're someone who lives and breathes like neons and like, you know, and I know people like this, like they're, they live a very vibrant, bright, you know, life. Their wardrobe is that like, they've got things in their home that is reflective of that. I mean, for you to like not incorporate that in your brand identity would be like really hard, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's the life that you lead. And I mean, so much of our content that we create for social media, et cetera, photo shoot stuff, it's like reflective of who we are. Sometimes photos even being taken in our home, you know, like Mm -hmm. then like imagine having to like, okay, we got to put all this away because I use light pink and ivory for my color. Right. So no, like, I think there's totally room for like your personal style to be incorporated. It's your business, you know, that being said, like, if you, you do want to take into account, like the work you're doing and the type of clients that you're working with. Cause like, if you're looking to attract preschool moms, that's probably a bad example. Like if you're, if you're building a children's clothing line, let's just say, Mm -hmm. right. Or something like that, or, uh, you know, a business geared toward moms, you want to make sure that like, whatever, like, you might not want to just use like black, green and blue, you know, like (laughs) maybe you want to bring in some softer colors there. So can we incorporate some earthier tones or something like that? I think that like, it's, it's important to be mindful of who your audience is and make sure that you're not like, not reading the room and also like incorporate your own like personal style because it's your business. It's your wardrobe. When you go to do that photo shoot, it's your aesthetic in your like home, you know? And like, I'm, I'm not looking to like have to make things really hard for myself Mm -hmm. when I'm trying to like take photos or create content or whatever it is. I, I want it to all feel really good. And the other thing is like, I think I think that like, if you don't incorporate your own style, like at a certain point, you do start to feel like disconnected Mm -hmm. from what you're creating. It's like, who even is this, you know? Mm -hmm. So do you think that there are hard and fast rules like beyond 
you know, making sure that you're keeping that. Cause I could see like, you wouldn't want to have a baby clothing brand and have like black golds and ivory maybe be your brand colors. Cause that would feel completely disconnected. Well, I, I think, I don't think there's like hard rules to mm-hmm. this. I think it's also super subjective to like the client that like, you know, if I'm working with someone one-on-one, it's like something we're working through to like uncover and like figure out what it should be. I think the only like GPS to follow in this process is like, listen, if, if you are a grief coach, like, Mm -hmm. okay. Like, and you are looking to create a very like nurturing, loving, caring, supportive environment that is very feminine and soft and like nurturing. I mean, bold, black, dark fonts, like hard edged fonts, like that, all of that might not be the way to go mm-hmm. in order to have someone see that and feel like an exhale. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, I think it's important to take into account like the work that you're doing. And like, so my only rules are really around like that being mindful of your color choices and your font choices. Like it's not a free for all. It's not just like, Oh yeah. Like do whatever you want. It's fine. No one cares. People do care. (laughs) So let's just like on a case by case basis, like let's make sure like I'm always thinking like it's very much has to do with just the business and the client and the person that's running the business. Mm -hmm. I like that. The logic, if people can have a little bit of logic and apply it to their brand, Now, I am definitely do not want to shade anybody or call anybody out uh, because, listen, we've all been there. I had. See, I'm excited. Where are you going? (laughs) Well, I was going to call myself out and say I had the beginning of my business. I listened to Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. And Uh he recommend, I think it was 99 design. So it wasn't Fiverr. But I had like the watercolor circle logo with my name and like some cheesy font and, you know, I'm sure I paid like a hundred bucks for it. Now I see that a lot. And I think "Mm, that's pretty like from people starting their business and online, you still see a lot of that type of logo and font. So I'm wondering from a place of love, (laughs) are there any mistakes or like your pet peeves that you see people do in branding that you wish they would make a different choice? Well, yeah, I do have some pet peeves. One is these aren't pet peeves. They're more like, okay, like it's more like a, this is not going to work long term. Okay. So like, for example, like people love metallic and I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, like I like metal, I get it, but like metallic's not a color. So people are like, well, I'm trying to make this gold match that. And I'm like, yeah, well, gold is not a, it's not like you can't have like a gold gradient that is Mm -hmm. like a color. So there's no like code for that. So when you're going to create stuff on your website and things like that, like it's really hard to make all of that like consistent. So metallics are always like a I'm just like, can we just not do a metallic? Because (laughs) it just like I get it if you want to incorporate something like on, for example, like printed metallics never Mm -hmm. look the same. Right. So like they never look the same across the board. They're not going to look like what it looks like digitally. So like it's, we don't have a color to like match it up to, but if you want to like incorporate a foil or something like that into like the edge of your business cards or like on your packaging, I'm, I'm all fine for that, but it, it can't be like a main part of your like color palette is like this metallic gold or metallic Mm -hmm. rose gold or something like that. So metallics are one of my like struggles. The other thing is, is like gradients when people want to use gradients, like a rainbow color where the colors like fade into each other. When I say gradients, people might not know what that means. Like Mm -hmm. where colors fade into each other, where it might be like a purple, pink, blue, orange, and they, it just like seamlessly flows. That's another thing. It's like really unrealistic to like have that printed on a shirt and it look the same way that it's going to look online, you know? And so mm-hmm. also like everyone's screens look a little bit slightly different and it's just, um, that whole is, is so elevated when it is like a gradient versus like an actual color that you can like choose the hex code or the Pantone color or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So I think my like pet peeves come in more with color choices and things like that. 
maybe the other thing is like some people get like I I love using Pinterest as like a inspiration resource, but there is so much of the same stuff that is like on there. There's so much good stuff. I I have like full trainings on how to use Pinterest as like a proper inspiration source for your brand identity, but sometimes I'll get sick of like seeing the same color palette over and over. So it might be like earthy tones, you know, like the same earth earth tone palette with like a terracotta, a green, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but I think that they are just like, like trends like that, just like come and go. I, I have another client who like, she has that earth tone palette, but like her whole life is that like her yeah. whole wardrobe is that like her baby's nursery is that like her home looks like that. And then I'm like, okay, great. Like that's whatever. That's who you are, you know? But when some people just choose based upon like what like what's trending versus like what we were just talking about. Who, who are you actually, what are you actually attracted to? What's like go in your closet, you know, let's see what's going on in there. Look around your house. What's going on in there? Like things like that. It's so funny because I, I don't know if this experience happened to anybody else, but at the start of like the pandemic slash quarantine, I remember vividly like laying in my bed and looking into my closet and I saw so much black and like really dark colors. Mm. I thought like, what in the heck am I doing? Like, that's not what I feel good in at all. I don't know if it was just an unconscious choice. I read somewhere that because I identify as pretty introverted, that wearing dark colors is sort of like a mental shield against the outside world. And so it made sense that as I sort of pulled in and cocooned and I didn't have that daily like input from the outside world, my entire wardrobe changed. And now I have really unintentionally created this wardrobe that reflects sort of my brand colors, the neons, super like vivid, deep pinks and like neon greens and yellows. And I love it so much, but I was curious to see if that would shift at all once we started coming into the you know, back into the world, but it hasn't so far. So <laughs> that's funny. I'm sure you're not the only one who's like gone through that with either branding or home decor or wardrobe, just like switching it all up. Yeah. Well, I want to make sure to say that I was looking at your vault. Um, I'll call it a vault. I don't know if you do, but you had so many really cool resources. So of course we're going to link those. I want to link the episode that you mentioned with Megan James. So just people know you can find all that stuff that we talked about in the show notes. And I'm wondering, I know you have a free product to you know give away to the listeners. Can you tell us about what that is? Yeah, we have the um, free 50 uh, standout color palettes. So we put together 50 color palettes are all organized into different categories. So we talk about like what the different colors mean and sort of, uh, I don't know what you would call them. Like, I don't want to call them core values, but like feelings behind Mm. the color palette in there. So you can kind of dial in. Am I looking for something more earthy, more feminine, um, something that is more bold and go through there. They're all coded out. So definitely grab those at the link. There's also, I think, a color meaning chart that's included Mm. in there too. So it'll kind of give you an idea of like, if you are looking for certain colors, what do these colors actually mean uh, from a psychology perspective as well? So That's super cool. And whether you're starting out or you're rebranding or thinking about rebranding, it sounds like the perfect resource to get started. Yeah, it's a good one. I had a lot of fun creating it. And we haven't shared because I know people will be interested in not only finding out more about you and your business, but also your podcast and where you hang out online. Can you tell us the places where you hang out and you connect with people? Yeah, totally. So you can obviously find me on Instagram at Nikki Arnsman. I'm pretty much at Nikki Arnsman anywhere. I have like love hate with social media. So (laughs) I'm on there on Instagram, um, but I'm, I don't spend a ton of time on social media, but you can always find me at Nikki Arnsman. You can always email me Nikki Arnsman at gmail.com is my like easiest one that I check often. I know that's like not very business profesh. I don't have, I have like you know, info at NikkiArnsman.com, but I still just prefer my Gmail. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, NikkiArnsman at gmail.com is the quickest place to connect with me. If you want to, you know, chat about different things and then yeah, 
and you can always, yeah, those are probably my places on that. And, and the business of branding podcast. Yeah. My podcast is the business of branding. Um, if you search the business of branding, you can pretty much listen on any podcast listening platform, iTunes, Spotify. We pretty much do like weekly episodes. I'm super pregnant right now. So we're like, we're a little behind on everything and probably going to take a little bit of a break over the summer, but we'll be back in the fall and we've got some episodes stacked up. So yeah, there's a lot of really good, really good content in there. Really awesome guests, a lot of incredible um, female entrepreneurs on there. So definitely go and check that out. I love it. I'm wondering, are you on TikTok? I'm not really. I just, <laughs> I'm not. I would like to say that I am. I just created a TikTok account a couple weeks ago, um, but there's nothing on there yet. I have, so I have a store that's getting ready to launch called uh, Brand Boutique, which pretty much has all of my digital templates and uh, branding assets are all available there or will be available there. And so I created a TikTok for the brand boutique um, and it's brandboutique.co on TikTok. And there's nothing there yet though. So (laughs) that's another, it'll probably won't, I probably won't kick in with that until fall just baby life and but we can connect and then just anticipate. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, cause there's also a gal, uh, who I follow on TikTok who is, I don't actually know if she's in branding, but she basically, uh, roasts, uh, companies, oh, uh, logos. And yeah. then she proposes really obnoxious and like five-year-old level redesigns, but it's just, she does it in a complete deadpan. And I tell you, it's she just did one this week about states, like redesigning state logos. But yeah. she had like every big brand social media manager in the country begging her to redesign their logo. And then they were actually putting them up as their logos, like Amazon. So um, there was some, I'll send it to you afterwards if you want. It's like NASCAR. There was all these ones that then for like a week they would use this, this logo and people outside. <laughs> TikTok probably were like, what is happening here? But it was, it's, it's comedy gold. I love it. I would love to send me that. I have to check it out. I will. And I'll put it in the show notes because I can't tease people like that. (laughs) Yeah. I know everyone's going to be like, what was that? Forget about the whole episode. What was that comedian logo you were talking about? (laughs) I'll be like all this gold here, but just send me the TikTok. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, I feel like I could talk to you forever. There's so many interesting intersections to go in, you know, from the creativity to motherhood to, you know, branding. I know you could talk for hours, but I've so appreciated our time today and I can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you so much. It was such a good conversation. I love, I love talking all the motherhood stuff. And of course I love all the branding things. So we'll have to do it again. I would love that. Can't wait. 